Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. I read about a guy who bought a very expensive parrot. He was told this expensive parrot will talk. You can teach it words, it'll talk. And so he gets it home and guess what? Thing doesn't talk. So he goes back to the pet shop owner and he goes, man, my parrot's not talking. He goes, well, because it's in the cage by itself, it may need a little mirror. Sometimes it just feels like it needs companionship, right? So put a mirror in there and it'll kind of loosen up and it'll begin to talk eventually. So he did. He put a mirror in there, but the thing doesn't talk. So he goes the next week and he goes, man, this parrot's still not talking. I paid a lot of money for a talking parrot that doesn't talk. He goes, well, try a ladder. Sometimes you give them a little exercise, they run up and down that ladder and he said, it'll loosen them up a little bit and they'll talk, so he buys a ladder. Parrot runs up and down the ladder, but still doesn't talk. Back to the pet shop owner, thing's not working, I don't know what to do. He said, well, put a bell in there, put a little bell. Let the thing peck on a little bell, it'll get a little music in there, that'll stimulate him, loosen him up a little bit, maybe the thing will begin to talk once you put a bell in there. So he put a bell in there, thing doesn't talk. Finally, he goes back to the pet shop, couple of weeks later, he goes, man, that parrot you sold me? Yeah. He said, the thing died. He said, it died? He goes, yeah. He said, did it ever talk? He said, yeah, right before it died. He said, what did it say? It looked at me and it said, don't they sell any bird seed in that pet store? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was funny. <laughs> the point is we all have to have nutrition, right? We have to eat in order to live. Now, some of us live in order to eat. Uh, I, I saw where a nutritionist, this has been around a while, but a nutritionist said, you are what you eat. And a guy told me last night, I said, I guess I'm a chicken leg then, if that's the case, you know, or a cheeseburger maybe. We are what we eat. The point is, the nutritionist tried to make it, the point is that what we consume affects our bodies. It really does. You eat healthy, you tend to probably uh, be a healthier person, right? What goes into us physically affects our physical body. And that's true of us, not just physically. By the way, it's true of us emotionally. Uh, if you surround yourself with good people, you have good friends, you have people who pour into your life, who replenish you, you're probably going to be a healthier person emotionally. And it's also true, I'd have you to think about it, it's true of us spiritually. It's true of us spiritually as well. If you put emphasis and you pour into yourself spiritually, your spiritual life will be stronger. Now listen, not just because of what I do, but I'm just telling you this morning, your spiritual life is the most significant part of who you are. When Paul was writing in 1 Thessalonians 5, he said this, I pray to God your spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord. Now what he was teaching in theological circles, we call that trichotomy, right? You're a spirit and a soul that inhabits a body. Now some say dichotomy, the spirit and the soul are one, inhabiting a body, well I say potato, potato. I look at it as spirit and soul inhabiting a body. The part of me that is eternal is my spirit and my soul. My body is temporal. One of these days, if the Lord tarries his coming, my spirit and soul will just outlive this body. And then I will have the experience that Paul talked about in 2 Corinthians 5. I'll be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Death just means separation. Separation of our loved ones from us uh, in this present sense. But separation of our loved one's spirit and soul from their body. 
Solomon said, the spirit returns to God who gave it and the body to the earth, ashes to ashes and dust to dust. So I say that to say this, and that is the part of you that is eternal should be the part of you that is foundational. Another way of thinking about it. If you put all your emphasis into the, spirit, into the physical part of your life and your physical part of your life, your physical well-being becomes foundational, then what will you do if your body breaks down? What will you do if you get sick? What will you do if you can't train? What happens to you if all of your emphasis has just been on your physical and physical is foundational? Now, I'm not dismissing the physical part. Lord knows we all need to, me especially, work a little better on what I put in physically into my body. Somebody said, are you in shape? I said, yeah, round, round is a shape. <laughs> so we ought to put a little emphasis into that, right? I'm working on it, Titus. I'm, I'm working on it, brother's helping a brother. But the point is, if all of your emphasis is on your physical well-being, uh, that can't be foundational. Somebody say, okay, well, if it's not physical, then it's emotional. I'll put, all my, I'll put all my eggs in the emotional basket. I'll just get emotionally as healthy as I possibly can. And I say, go for it. Be as emotionally healthy as you possibly can. But I want to remind you that your emotions are probably the shallowest part of who you are. Your emotions are probably the most unreliable part of who you are. How many of us this morning, if you're honest about it, don't lie, you're in church. How many of you would be honest and say, don't raise your hand, I'll just, just, just nod with a brother. How many would say, I've been a little all over the page this morning emotionally? Mm-hmm. You had little highs and little lows. That alarm clock went off and you didn't say, good morning, Lord. You said, good Lord, it's morning, right? You had that experience. Maybe a little debate with a mate. Or maybe you enjoying your presence of the Lord on the way to church to the house of God and somebody cuts you off. And all of a sudden, man, whoo, a whole nother emotion come out. What am I saying? Let's be honest about it. Our emotions are just high, low, happy, sad, good, bad. You know, and, and it depends on our circumstance, right? I mean, our, our, our happenstance, where we find ourselves. What's my point? My point is you're building on the physical or you're building on the emotional, as important as those things are, they cannot be foundational because they are not eternal. The emphasis has to be on that which is spiritual. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, Jesus said, there's no better foundation that can be laid than the foundation that it has been laid and that foundation is, you ready for this? Christ Jesus. He has to be foundational. Talking about your relationship, your connection to your creator, and if that's there, and you're building on the physical part of your life, you're building on something that is solid. Get this, everything else can shatter and fall, but if you're on that foundation, you're on a rock that you can rebuild on again and again. He never changes. He never leaves. James says he doesn't shift like the, like the changing of the shadows. He is constant. He is consistent. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You can be emotionally broken and yet have a solid life when you're on that foundation. You can be physically shattered but have a solid life when you're on that foundation. So yes, it's important that we look at the things that go into our body physically and emotionally, but the emphasis and the priority has to be spiritually. 
the I am's that we've been talking about. And the one particularly I want to talk to you for a few moments about is this I am. Jesus said, I am, you ready? Bread. <laughs> I'm the bread of life. I'm nutrition. You are what you eat. I am the bread of life. And our text is in John 6. Now, it's a long chapter. It's 50 plus verses. I'd read you right over into babes if I, if I read all of that. Uh, so the point is, I'm going to summarize it for you, and I'm going to encourage you to read the chapter before you go to sleep tonight, and I'll share a verse in a moment. But in John chapter 6, you have incredible events that are happening. The most profound event that happens is the feeding of the 5,000. You remember that story? Where Jesus has crowds that are following, and by the way, everywhere he went, people were drawn to him. They were drawn to him. They were attracted to him. Because most of the people had a hunger for something and they felt like he was the answer to the hunger that they had. So they were drawn to him like a Whataburger. <laughs> they were just drawn to him. And everywhere, yeah, you got that. It's kind of a slow roll there on that one. But it, it, everybody followed after Jesus because he always gave them something. They never left empty. They, they never left uh, without having those questions answered, Jesus would speak into their lives. So 5,000 of them were there. And what's interesting about it is Jesus recognized these people physically have needs. And they're not going to be attuned to their spiritual need if their physical need is neglected. They were hungry. <laughs> And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how good the information you have that you want to share with someone, if the someone you're wanting to share with is hungry, you probably ought to feed them before you talk to them. Would you agree? I mean, if you want to have a talk and they're hungry, their stomach's growling, you, you, you ought to have a little uh, sit down, a little dinner with them and make sure that, because you're, you're taking that off the table so now they can focus on you. And Jesus knew I got 5,000 hungry people. So he met that need. And can I tell you, we as a church try to do what he did. And one of the things we do every week here through our food pantry is we meet the needs of hundreds and hundreds of people in providing food. We lift that grocery bill off of them so they can take that money that they were spending on groceries and apply it to their mortgage or their car payment or some other area of their life. We have so many volunteers that help make that happen. And it's exactly what Jesus did time and time again. Get this, he provided bread. He knew people have physical needs. And if you're here today because you have some physical need in your life, that's okay. That's all right. Jesus never shamed anyone for the reason that they came to him. Jesus never turned anyone away who came to him, even though they may not have been coming for some spiritual truth, they may have been coming to have some physical need met. He did it all. He did both. He realized that if these people are hungry, if I can't address that need, they're not going to hear the deeper teachings that I want to share with them. So he feeds them. He feeds the 5,000. And after that happened, he sends his disciples in a boat to go to the other side of the lake, and he says, I'll meet you boys there later on. And you know the story in John 6 again? They're in the middle of a storm, out in the middle of the lake. It's an interesting thought that they were right where they were supposed to be, doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing, and they encountered a storm. 
And I don't want to take the sermon in another way, but just make the point that you can be right where you're supposed to be. You can be doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing this morning and find yourself in the middle of a storm. You can be right where God wants you to be and have just absolutely everything in the world coming against you. And that's that passage again where Jesus came to them walking on the water, remember? So he gets in the boat, everything's cool. They make it to the shore. The sun's coming up. And guess what? Word of mouth has it. Jesus is on the other side of the lake. And guess what? Those 5,000 people were hungry again. (laughs) So they start making their way around the lake. It's time for some bagels with Jesus. (laughs) It's time for some burritos with Jesus. I mean, they're making their way around the lake because they're hungry, and Jesus sees this as an incredible opportunity to finally teach them about a deeper reality. And he gets into this strange teaching in John chapter six where he talks about his body as his bread, and you should uh, eat the body, and then he says his his blood is, is like drink, and you should drink that, and it freaked them out. They misunderstood what he was talking about. But the thing about Jesus, he had this incredible way of understanding how people misunderstood him. And that's an amazing thing because most people don't have that ability. We don't have that filter. Most of us don't understand how people can misunderstand us so we miscommunicate and we don't connect all the time with people. Jesus isn't critical of these guys. He's just saying, I get it. Some of you are here only because of what I can do for you. You're here for the bagels, <laughs> a little breakfast with Jesus. You're hungry. I'm gonna take care of you. I get it. He's not critical of that. And can I tell you, there are a lot of people that will be in your world as well because of what you do for them. They're connected to you because what they can get out of that relationship to you. They're not all into you because it's a surface connection. And the minute probably you can no longer do for them what you once did for them, they'll probably saturate your presence with their absence. That's okay, there are gonna be people like that. Jesus recognized he had crowds following them, but everybody that was coming to him were not there for him, they were there to get from him. And he didn't disappoint, he gave them bread. And by the way, he never criticized their motivation. Somebody says, well, you know, people just come to church on Christmas and Easter, and I've heard some of the guys in my profession be critical of that. My argument has always been, at least they come on Christmas and Easter, right? I got, them, I got two shots at them, it's better than none. What would you rather have, never come? So we'll have the lilies in a few weeks and the poinsettias later in the year. And I'm just suggesting to you that Jesus never criticized, might be, some of the, honestly, it's in the narrative. He says, some of the people came for the bread. They liked the, the way you present the service. They like the, the, the way the service is presented. It's not boring, it's interesting. It's, they, they, they like the style, so they come because of the style. That's a surface reason to come, but that's okay if they come for that. Some come because we help them through the food pantry, that's cool. Some come because their children's needs are being met. The, their, their students' needs are being met. They're, they're coming for some reason that would be a felt need that would be something that would, we would consider to be temporal or surface, but Jesus doesn't criticize that, nor do I. 
what he is teaching in this consuming of his body teaching that freaked him out was the difference between the true believer and the surface person is one goes all in and the other just kind of does touch and goes with Jesus. I'm here because things are bad and when things get better, I won't be here till things go bad again. I'm here because I'm hungry, and once I've eaten, I probably won't get back till I'm hungry again, and then I'll circle and come back. I get that, Jesus got that. But I'm saying that the deepest need of your life will never be met until you do more than just sit at the table, until you're willing to consume, till you go all in, till you believe, till you trust, till you consume. In fact, Jesus even says, the problem with just having your physical needs met is it does, they don't stay fixed, right? How many of you know if you fed your children this morning, they're gonna be hungry in an hour? <laughs> How many of you know in a little while when we break up this holy huddle, you can go somewhere and just eat yourself to your heart. This could be your cheat day. This is the day I'm gonna eat bad. And you can go eat bad and all that. And then how many of you have had that experience where you've eaten something and, and you just, you're so full and you've said this to yourself, I'm not eating for the rest of the day. You ever said that? You ever lie to yourself like that? Man, I'm so full. No way I'm gonna eat. Oh my gosh. And you just waddle back to the car, you know. <laughs> I've got a good dessert verse for you, by the way. You wanna hear it? Dessert verse. It's in Romans. You'll have to Google it. I can find the reference, but I don't have time to look that up. I'll lose you if I do that. Here, here it is. Here's the dessert verse. Happy is the person who does not condemn themselves in the thing that they allow. Translate it. If you're gonna let yourself eat the cheesecake, don't beat yourself up about it. No, that's not really what it means, but anyway. <laughs> the point is, if all you're going, listen, if all you're going to do, if all you're going to do is have your physical needs, if that's the priority, if that's foundational, they're never continually, continuously met. You're good till you get hungry again. I mean, I'm all about healing and I'm praying for healing, praying for my, my wife and I'm, I'm praying for my grandbaby who's here this morning, Evie baby. And I'm just, and, and so we, we do those, we, I, all those things, but here's the reality of it. If Jesus tarries his coming, we're not gonna get out of this thing alive. Has that dawned on you? So I'm saying as important and as significant of that is, of that is this physical existence, please hear me, is only temporal. So it cannot be foundational. It's gotta be more than that. Some people will come for bread when their emotions are shattered. A broken relationship, a broken heart. They're going through some issue and their emotions are just wrenched. So they're in church. I say, thank God you're here. But can I tell you, if it doesn't go deeper than just the emotional needs that you have in your life, you can have that need met but you're gonna get hungry again. Jesus says to that crowd, you've gotta consume me. You, you've gotta go all in. You, you've gotta believe more than just an intellectual acceptance of who I am, more than a surface, physical, emotional acknowledgement of the Son of God. You have, to, you have to say, Jesus, I'm all in. With everything I know about me, I trust everything I know about you. All in. 
And that's what he was calling for. And time and time you'll see this refrain where he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Look at our text there in John chapter six, just one verse. I'm the bread of life. If you'll come to me, by the way, whoever, anyone who comes to me will never go hungry. Now he's talking about more than physical. He's talking about more than emotional. He's talking about spiritual. He's saying when you are connected with your creator, the deepest, and by the way, every single person in this room have deep needs, more than the surface. We can talk about surface needs that we have. We might may talk about other needs that we have that are kind of in our emotional, but the reality is at the core, at our soul, we all have needs, at the core of who we are. One theologian said we have a God-shaped vacuum in our soul that only the presence of Jesus can fill. That's what he's talking about here. He's saying, look, if you come to me, you will never, I can meet the deepest need of your, uh, listen, that doesn't mean you're not gonna have sad days and bad days. That doesn't mean you're not gonna lose loved ones and you're not gonna have uh, issues. That That doesn't mean that. Here's what it means. It means when your whole world is shattered and falling apart, when everything in this world is going wrong, deep down in your heart, you have the peace of God because you have peace with God. You have that assurance of his presence. He said, you're not hungry. (laughs) Yeah, things are bad, but I'm not hungry. Yeah, the world is falling around me, but I'm not hungry. The deepest need of my life is being fulfilled in my relationship. He said, I am the bread. And whoever believes in me, you're never thirsty. What does it mean to believe? It means to go all in. Remember, he said, consume the body, consume the blood. In other words, I believe with everything that I am. Remember when the lawyer asked Jesus in Matthew, what's the greatest commandment? He wasn't curious. He was just trying to trip Jesus up. And Jesus said, the greatest commandment, in fact, all the laws could be summed up in these. Love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. On this, on that hangs all the commandments. In other words, if you love God like you should, you'll never violate any commands toward him. If we love each other like we should, we'll never violate any commands against each other. Love, that's it. It happens in the heart. First John 4, 4, God is love. If you don't know him, you're not connected to the creator, then the deepest need of your life will never eternally, fully, completely be met. And listen, you'll go through life more interested in what Jesus can do for you than his presence in you. Let me give you two or three thoughts. That might be my baby back there. Let me give you two or three thoughts. Number one, I love that baby. Number one, this bread has purpose has purpose. This bread he talked about, what was the purpose of this bread? It was to meet the deepest need of the soul. The son of man came, Luke 19, 10, to seek and save those who are lost. Jesus came into this world, ladies and gentlemen, to meet the deepest need of our life. This bread, in fact, if you look nine times in chapter six, he said, this bread came down from heaven. Jesus, you see his deity, you see his aseity. His deity in that he is God, his aseity in that he has always existed. This bread came down from heaven to meet the needs, the hunger of mankind. 
So the very reason Jesus came into this world was not just simply to touch us physically or even emotionally, but to meet the eternal need of my life. And that is to have a connection with my creator. And only the bread can satisfy that has purpose. We come into this world with that hunger, just like babies. In a little while, we're gonna dedicate a bunch of babies. I'm excited about that. We had the privilege in the hospital because we didn't know how long little Evie was gonna stay with us. So we had the privilege in the hospital of dedicating uh, my fourth little grandbaby. And so we're gonna dedicate some more little babies here in a minute. But you know what the thing about a baby? Babies come into this world hungry, don't they? They're hungry. It is a natural thing babies have to desire nutrition. And the thing about these babies is they're not able to satisfy the hunger on their own. They're not self-sufficient. They gotta have moms and dads and grandparents help take care of them. Aunts, uncles, where's sometimes brothers and sisters, right? We feed them because they're hungry. They can't feed themselves. But they come into this world desiring nutrition. In fact, that verse, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way the child should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. The word train in the Hebrew is a verb that means to create a desire for nutrition. And it harkened back to the days of the midwife who when the baby was born, the midwife would take the finger, dip it in honey and take that finger and put it in crushed dates and stroke the palate of the baby to get the baby, to stimulate the baby to want nutrition. When you train up a child, you're stimulating your child to want more, to be better, to grow. And so in this narrative, when it's talking about meeting the deepest need of our soul, it's he's simply reminding us he's the bread that can do that. That's the reason he came down from heaven because we had a hunger that nothing in this world could satisfy. You read Solomon's words in Ecclesiastes, which was his desperate search for meaning and purpose. And you look at all the things he tried he was the wealthiest man in the world. And he said that didn't do it for him. He tried to satisfy the lust of his flesh. He had 800 wives. <laughs> Lord help. 800 mother-in-laws. 300 concubines, uh, girlfriends, 1,000 women. Good Lord. Imagine, I'm too lazy. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> and there's other reasons for that too, but I'm just saying. I, every time I think about this good night, what's the point? He said, after all that, it's empty. Didn't do it for me. He was a smart man, brilliant man, highly educated. He had more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> empty. Lust didn't do it for him, education didn't do it for him, money, didn't. everything we think if we had, we'd be happy, he had it all. Go to Ecclesiastes 12, here's what he said at the end of the day, here it is, fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of man. He's the bread that satisfies the deepest need and nothing will do that till you connect with him. So, he came with purpose. Number two, and quickly, this bread has provision. What does the bread provide? eternal life. Five times in this passage, he said, I came down from heaven. Look at verse 33. The bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven. And get this, gives life to the world. Gives life. You who were dead in trespasses and sin, he gives life, spiritual life. 
He gives life. In the Greek, there are two words for life. There's bios, which we get the word biology. There's biological life. And there's zoa, zoas, which is spiritual life. Well, the life he's talking about here that he gives through this bread is zoa, zoas, spiritual life. Because we were spiritually dead. We didn't get him. We didn't get this. We, we came in because we had physical needs and emotional uh, uh, areas of our life. And we didn't even realize we had spiritual problems till we came into his presence. And when we finally consumed him and we went all in and with all that we were, we accepted and trusted all that he is, he quickened us. He took the spiritual part of me that was dead. He brought it to life. When he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, there's the natural man and the spiritual man, right? The natural man is the man that hadn't connected with God, and the spiritual man is the man who has. And he says the thing about the natural guy, the guy unconnected from the creator, is he doesn't receive the things of God. Worship is strange. A lot of what I teach is odd and foreign, and that's okay. But the point is, when there comes a moment in life, when you take everything as I said a moment ago that you know about you and trust everything you now know about God and you push it and you go all in and you believe him with all of your heart, he quickens you. All of a sudden, you recognize there's a presence in you you didn't have before. There's not a presence in you, there's a peace in you you didn't have before. He brings about communion. There's a connection with God you never had before. The, the, the songwriter said, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own. That's when you consume that bread and he quickened your spirit and you sense his presence. And by the way, there's communication that comes about. You can tell him anything. You sleep in the middle of the night and no one else is awake and you have no one to talk to. The Bible says, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers or sleeps. I would tell you, don't count sheep, talk to the shepherd. You have communication. He cares for you. Third thing, finally, I want to share with you as we think about this, is this bread has promise. What's the promise? Yes, it is eternal life, but it's also the promise to change life. He can change our life. He can transform our life. He can bring out the best me that I could possibly be. He has the power to transform life. You remember, I'll give you this as I kind of close this up. You remember uh, the mom who brought her two boys to Jesus, James and John, um, Mrs. Zebedee, and she says to Jesus, she said, these are my boys and I want my boys to follow you. And she said, but I have one more request. And I love, I love their mama. She said, I want one to sit on your right hand and one to sit on your left. Isn't that just like a mama? I know you love everybody, Jesus, but my kids are special. They're very special. And I want them to have the best seats. I want to make sure my kids get the right college. So I'll pay you a little extra. No, that's another story. So the point is, <laughs> That's not what's happening here. The point is, point is, the point is, she had a desire in her heart for her kids to, to, to be special to Jesus too. And, and what he says to her, he doesn't rebuke her, he doesn't criticize her, but here's what he says to her. He said, these are box seats, loosely translated. These are front row, orchestra pit. You, you, are, you are about to get the best seats in the house, which means these are the most expensive seats in the house, which means 
They can sit there, but they're, they're gonna have to pay a price. All the arrows of the enemy are trained on the king. And the closer you are to the king, the more likely you are to get shot. So you better believe in the king. And Jesus was saying, they can walk close to me, but there's an enemy out there that's trying to take me down and take me out and keep me from the cross. So the closer they are to me, the closer they are and the more likely they are to be attacked by the enemy. That's the price for that access. And you know what, when those boys came to Jesus, man, they had a lot of things that had to happen to them. Man, they knew Jesus, but just barely. Know anybody like that? <laughs> I have friends like that. They know Jesus, but they just barely know him. There's not a big transformation yet. And that's where they're, when you meet them, here's what they are. They're called the sons of thunder. Listen to me. When you're called a son of thunder, I'm thinking you got anger issues. Just me. Little road rager. And that's who they were. They were called the sons of thunder. And you know what happened to them? When they walked with Jesus and, taught, and they consumed him and he began to transform them, you know what happens? John, let's take John for example. No other apostle wrote more about love than John. You remember in the upper room when they all got on that side of the table for the picture? You remember that? And you have, you have that one apostle that's leaning over Jesus in the portrait, remember? Do you know who that apostle is? It's John. Why did he paint John there? Because John would refer to himself time and time again in the Gospel of John as the disciple whom Jesus loves. Oh, Jesus loves me. Listen, people can out-preach you, out-talk you, they can out-work you, but nobody can love Jesus more than you. Nobody. And John says, these guys I'm working with, these apostles are a lot more talented than me in a lot of other ways, but none of them are gonna love Jesus more than me. And how was it that a son of thunder became an apostle of love? Here it is. When he consumed that bread, it transformed his life. And ladies and gentlemen, as I close, you can turn over a new leaf, you can make resolutions, you can say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, today's a new day, you can do all that stuff, and that's all great, I'm not hating. I'm just saying, nothing is gonna change your life permanently, consistently, continuously, until you go all in, until you say, Jesus, sink or swim, here I come. If I lose it all, if you don't answer another single prayer that I pray for the rest of my life, I still believe in you. Job said this, he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Do you have that kind of trust? Man, that's all in, that's consuming. That's what will change your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the bread of life. You are the substance and the sustenance that we need to change us, to satisfy us, to strengthen us, to transform us. I pray for my friends this morning and those watching who may never have completely consumed. They may have never really gone all in. They may never have trusted and believed. I pray this would be the moment when they swallow their pride and they humble their heart. And they say, God, I need you to meet more than my physical needs. I need to get beyond the emotional struggles that I have. God, I need to get to the core, my spiritual life. I need to be connected to my creator. And so Lord, with all that I am and with everything I know about me, I trust 
all that you are and everything I know about you. Receive me. He said in John 6, those the Father have given to me, I will in no wise cast out. You come to Jesus like that, he'll receive you. He loves you. Others this morning, you may be going through a difficult time. Can I remind you when you're connected to your creator, he never leaves you, he never forsakes you. He's the bread that satisfies. And finally, for those, Lord, who need someone to encourage them and pray for them before they go, I pray as soon as I dismiss and as soon as we prepare for baby dedication that they'll find their place here at the front allow someone just to spend a minute to pray over them, to pray with them. Thank you, Lord, for the joy of knowing Jesus and for the joy it is to make you known. In your name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.